0: We are starting a new sermon series, Sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's the intro to the sermon and then the end of the sermon. So I'm starting in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the start of the Beatitudes. So we went through chapter 5, verse 3. Now we flip to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, to Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse... 13 enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teachings, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. It's a reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Well, I have enjoyed doing this sermon series on salvation history looking at the whole story of the Bible, sort of section by section, and, and what is the, the large overarching story. And last week I preached about what is the gospel and what does faith mean. It was, I think, one of my most important sermons I've ever preached, and I'm pretty sure it's a sermon series in the making. But we've been so big picture, I, I wanted for a little while to, to sort of balance that out by getting a little more focused on some specific texts. And so I want to look at the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And take a look at uh, what Jesus says about life and how life works. And I think there's a lot of us right now, as our worlds are really changed and turned upside down, that are, are reconsidering what's important and what true happiness is and what flourishing is like. And so I think this is a great time to, to zero in on Jesus' words here in Matthew. Um, so today I'm going to give some intro to the book and we'll look particularly at how it ends because that helps us understand how to understand the whole book. Um, but uh, then we're just going to go for a while, all, a lot of the summer, Section by section, trying to understand Jesus' teachings here. A couple of things to think about before we get in. Some, some some background, some things you want to pack in your bag before we make this journey through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, number one is where the sermon fits in Matthew. Um, the early tradition is that Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, wrote this book of Matthew, but there are some reasons based on on dating and based on how he uses other materials like the the Gospel of Mark that suggests maybe it wasn't really Matthew. The text actually doesn't say that it was Matthew, but maybe it was some of the students of Matthew. Um, And uh, it seems like the Gospel writers are writing later, they're definitely writing after Paul, and they're collecting these stories of Jesus and, and compiling them into their books, into their narratives. What we can say about Matthew's Gospel is that Matthew is by far the most Jewish of the Gospels. He has a real sense, a real tie to this whole Jewish story and explaining who Jesus is uh, to Jews. And uh, he does that through two major themes that come up prominently in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, One is that Jesus is the new Moses, And we can follow this from the beginning, that um, Jesus is taken to Egypt and saved when he's a baby, just like Moses was. And then out of Egypt, he spends 40 days in the wilderness after going through the baptism, which is really like the Red Sea experience. And then here we have a sermon on a mount, just like um, Moses used to teach on Mount Sinai. And Jesus gives new commands there, just like Moses gave new commands there. So there's definitely a tie-in to Moses that we're going to have to pay attention to. But the other theme, the other one of the major themes in Matthew that's going to hit us here is is also a very Jewish one, and that is that Jesus is King David. Uh, Matthew makes a big deal that Jesus is born in Bethlehem, that he is of the house and lineage of David, And uh, when Jesus dies, he has a crown of thorns on his head, and he's marked as the king of the Jews. And um, a lot of what Jesus talks about is his kingdom. It's very much in line with King David. So as we start on the Sermon on the Mount, have Moses and David a little bit in the back of your mind because it's going to come up um, pretty often. The next question we have to talk about is, is, is this really a sermon? There are lots of reasons to think, even though Matthew sort of sets it up as one long sermon, that it may not be. For one thing, there's no real transition. <laughs> it's very, very choppy. There are certain themes that go throughout, but but not too much. It's very all over the place. I mean, if Jesus was giving this sermon in a preaching class in seminary, um, he'd probably get a C for the creative work, uh, but it's not a real well-flowing sermon. What's probably happening is that Matthew is taking a number of teachings that have been handed down about Jesus or whoever wrote Matthew and combining them into a sermon. In fact, we know Jesus preaches so long that people get hungry, he has to feed them. This is actually relatively short for a Jesus sermon. Um, so it, it's, this is kind of a collection is what I, the way I see it, a collection of smaller teachings that are, that are put in the book as a sermon. And you can imagine that Jesus would repeat these things I mean, in his three-year ministry, he probably told some of those stories again and again. He probably um, told some of the same teachings, maybe a little different. Um, and that helps us understand why uh, there's also a sermon in the Gospel of Luke that's very similar to this sermon in some ways, sharing some of the same language and components. Although Luke talks about it being on a flat part. They call it the Sermon on the Plain. Well, does, is this the same sermon? Does Jesus go to a flat part that's on a mountain Um, We can't be quite sure what we're doing there, although we we do know that Matthew is particularly related to teaching on a mountain because of the connection with Moses. Uh, In my time in Israel, I've actually been to what's called the Mount of the Beatitudes, which is the traditional site of where Jesus uh, gave this teaching. And uh, as somebody from western Pennsylvania, I would say that uh, calling this a mountain is generous. Okay, it's a a mount, it's a hill. (laughs) And uh, looking over the Sea of Galilee, why we think this really might be the place is because of the acoustics. On the side of this hill, on this little hill, where there's a beautiful chapel at the top, um, you can hear a sound echoing up and down. I mean, how could Jesus have spoken to, sometimes in the gospel, thousands of people at a time with no PA system? well it is right around there there there's natural hills there's natural coves where jesus probably could speak to large groups so he, he's gathering these groups of people he's doing these healings and in fact um matthew talks about him uh teaching and proclaiming the gospel and then doing healing and miracles. That's actually the outline that Matthew's going to use for this part of the gospel. This is the teaching part, followed by a series of miracles or great signs and healings. Um, So he gathers his disciples around him. He gathers all these people, and Jesus begins to teach. And Let me just march through. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, Your homework this week is you're supposed to read it all. Um, but let me just highlight a couple of things. It starts out with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek. And next week we're going to have to wrestle with, what does that mean that, to be blessed by those things? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And then it talks about how Christ came to fulfill the law. Uh, not to overturn it, but to, to fulfill it. And gives several examples related to anger and lust and divorce and oaths. Talking about loving your neighbor, loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you. I mean, these are all teachings you've heard, but maybe you've never thought about them as one big sermon on the mount. He talks about giving to the needy, and when you do, don't, don't blow trumpets and let everybody know you're giving to the needy. Um, just give. It's here in this, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, that he gives that Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, teaches, teaches the disciples to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Talks about fasting. Talks about not laying up treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourselves. Um, not to do it, lay it here on earth. Lay up your treasures in heaven. I said that backwards. It says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink. Talks about how if God takes care of the birds, if God takes care of the flowers, then God knows what you need and he'll take care of you. Then maybe one of the most famous and most quoted verses in the Bible today, judge not that you not be judged, Matthew 7, 1. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and it will find, you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. How about the golden rule? You, you don't even have to be a Christian to have heard of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then the scriptures I read to finish the story, this sort of conclusion And uh, I was happy, uh, uh, this is great, I have a commentary by a guy named Scott McKnight who pointed out that there's this great set of twos here, right? There's two gates, there's two prophets, two prophets are represented by two trees, and then there's two kinds of soil. Okay, the two gates. You got a narrow gate. The narrow gate is hard to get through. Not everybody gets through it. It's harder, but that's the way to life. But then there's this broad gate. A lot of people find it's way easier, but it leads to destruction. And then there are different kinds of prophets, different kinds of leaders. Some prophets are bad, and they lead you in the wrong way. They lead you towards destruction. But how do you know them? Well, you know them by your fruits, their fruits. You judge who you're following. Who are you listening to? Who is influencing you? You judge by the fruits of their lives. And then at the end of that part, Jesus gives what is probably, in my opinion, the scariest passage in the whole Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And even says, you know, but didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons, do mighty works in your name? Listen, I don't know about you. I don't have a lot of mighty works to brag about. (laughs) So there's going to be people who do great things for God but aren't in That's a little bit terrifying. Why are they not in? I never knew you. Depart from me. So we got two gates. We got two prophets. And uh, beware those prophets because the good-looking ones may not be the ones that lead you the right way. And then two different builders, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, the expectation is to do them, will be like building a house upon the stone. And some of you even as you're watching, are singing the little song that you learned in Sunday school about the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man, the sand and the rains came down and the floods came up, right? But what's the difference? It's the one who does hears these words of mine and does them. That's that's the wise man. And then when it ends, it says that, that Jesus finished his sayings, and the crowds were astonished at his teachings, For he was teaching as one who had authority. Not like the scribes. The scribes just quoted everybody else. So, Rabbi, so-and-so said this. This guy said this. But Jesus just had his own authority. So how do we read this story? How do we read this Sermon on the Mount? Well, this sermon relates a lot to ethics. And a lot to how we're supposed to live. And what it means to have a happy life. But... But it doesn't give you what we think maybe it should. It doesn't give you a lot of do's and don't. Do this, don't do that, don't you ever do that. No, that's not how Jesus teaches here. Wouldn't we like to know? Give me the lines, give me the boundaries. Tell me where this is. But that is not how the gospel works. Okay, imagine a farmhouse. Imagine I get a farmhouse, and I've got to make sure my kids stay safe. And so i got to tell my kids, here's, here's how you're going to stay safe. Here's how we're going to make sure you're not going to get lost in all the woods that are around my farmhouse. One is I can build a big fence. Okay? I can just build a big fence all around my property, and then I just tell my kids, stay in the fence. Okay? Don't let anybody else in the fence. Don't go over the fence. We're going to be defined by our boundary. right? This is the Presbyterian line. You're Methodist. You're not in my line. Where this is Republican line, and you're Democrat, or they're Democrat, I'm Democrat, and you're Republican. This is my line, and and this we do all this to, all, all the time. We say, okay, you, I can't be in the same room with you. I can't agree with you because we can't agree on this particular issue. We love to be boundary defined. Um, but the other way to do that with my kids is to say, hey, you guys, see this house right here? Make sure you can see the house. Don't go too far away from this house right here. You can travel, but make sure you're not too far from the center. There's a great missionary and theologian named Leslie, Bo- Leslie Newbegin, and he said that Christianity is not boundary set. Okay, It's not defined by its edges. It's defined by its middle. And if you, if you read through this, what you find is Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom. In the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Oh, they're going to inherit the kingdom. There's a lot of kingdom language, but but we've got to get this in our head that we think of kingdoms, we think of countries as boundaries because let's be honest, in our lifetime, most of the boundaries of our countries have not changed. But in the ancient world, it wasn't defined by the boundaries. The Roman Empire changed all the time because they were winning wars and they were losing wars and they were taking over territory and giving territory back. What defined a kingdom is what? A king. A king. A king at the center, and so what Jesus is saying in this sermon is, "You want to know what the big deal is? The, the, you got a choice. You got two kingdoms here. You got you got two ways of doing life. And this this over here, this is the way. This is the narrow way, my way. And it's upside down. I mean, you, you're going to be meek, and you're going to be persecuted, and you have to love your enemy. And in a lot of ways, the Jesus kingdom." works totally upside down. It's a total reversal of the way the world works. Blessed are the meek, I thought you should be powerful, right? Love your enemies? No, strike down your enemies. But the Jesus kingdom is upside down. And Jesus in this sermon is inviting these people, come into my kingdom, follow my kingdom. Get in the narrow gate. Profit over here, okay? Do these things and build your life on these things. That's what the key is to flourishing, to being happy. I think this is a great time for us to get into this sermon because a lot of us feel like our worlds have been turned upside down. But I think the Sermon on the Mount is going to ask each and every one of us to consider whether our world was really right side up to begin with. Whether all those things we thought we needed to make us happy really made us happy to begin with. And Jesus, in this teaching, talking about judging and, and giving to the needy and all these different changes of law, he invites us to live a different way with him as the king. So maybe you feel like your world's a little upside down. but Maybe that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And maybe right side up is not something you should go back to. So your homework again. Just read this, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read it maybe a couple times over the next week. Start to think through some of these things. Let some of these passages that are maybe a little bit familiar become unfamiliar. Read them with fresh eyes as we spend a lot of the rest of the summer unpacking each of these texts and going pretty slowly, kind of verse by verse through them. Let me pray for you. Lord, for everyone watching this, um, be Lord. Bring them under your kingdom and under your rule. Give them encouragement that though things may seem hard, maybe that's because they really are going for the right gate. Let us feel blessed even in our struggle. And as we journey through this Sermon on the Mount, may you really speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So may you follow Jesus, your rabbi. May you live into that kingdom. And may you not be anxious, but hold fast. Amen.